Let's go. Welcome back to the Pop in the Adjacent Podcast of Flop Stars, which is on hiatus for a few weeks, where we run through the big music stories and new music moments of the week coming up. The first single from the Barbie soundtrack is here, Dua Lipa's Dance the Night. We will review it. Ice Spice jumps on Karma by Taylor Swift. Does she do it justice? Plus, we've got new music for Tuvalu, Greta Ray, Nita Namebro, Dominic Fike, and One Republic coming up, and we'll preview the new single for Sam Smith and Madonna. It's a packed bumper pop in, and Sam has the least time he has ever had to do a podcast. So let's get right into it. Well, I thought that we were on holidays, but um, we're feuding, but apparently we're contractually obliged to be here for pop-in still. The network just won't let us go. The network won't won't let up. They are stepping on our necks. Goddamn network. Uh, Let's jump into it. The Maddie Healy New Yorker interview has just basically reopened this whole can of worms conversation around him, Um, not to mention Ice Spice jumping on Karma and that kind of creating this whole whole narrative around this being like a redemption thing. What on earth is going on? I'm so perplexed. The fact is that he's gone on this podcast and he's kind of not fueled the fire for the racism or the racist comments that were made about Ice Spice and various um, races as well. But he's laughed along to it and he's been complicit in it and was basically just a shitty choice to even go on the podcast in the first place because it seems quite bro-y and all the things that he tries to prove that he isn't. Then he's gone onto The New Yorker this week and they've done a brilliant profile on him because Maddie is quite a difficult person to profile and I've never seen anybody do it coherently and this is the most coherent one. But obviously the podcast comes up and they talk about it and instead of just being like offering an apology and being like wrong place wrong time I don't support those things he uses the bloody like my least favorite argument which is if you're offended by it then you're unintelligent and like you're delusional and all of this stuff doesn't matter blah 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 yeah which is wrong and he's like people aren't thinking about this all day long which I do agree like a lot of the wokeness on the internet is performative and people don't extend that to our other areas of their life. But at the same time, there's actual communities that he's hurt in saying this. And why not just cop it? It's so annoying. Well, it's a blatant... It's it's a bla- This whole conversation around microaggressions, it's a blatant microaggression. Laughing along yeah. to racist jokes is a microaggression. Absolutely. And yes, you, you, and yes, you can say people aren't sitting there going, oh, Matty Hill has really upset me. Because, but that's not what anyone was saying in the first place. People were saying that by being a part of this behaviour and not calling it out on this podcast episode, going along with it and driving a lot of the conversation, that is the whole problem in the first place. Yeah. I'm really getting confused and a bit bewildered by my opinions on him at the moment. Me too. I'm going because through a I full really like crisis. The, I mean, we both really like the music, don't Absolutely. We? We've talked but about I've it at length. I've always toed and froed about what I think about him. And I've always struggled to place him in my mind. And I think that the confusion around it only makes it harder because I'm like, oh, maybe it's all a bit. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, is it, if it is a bit and what he's doing is trying to be like this kind of like upper echelon level of intelligence where his bits are leaving less uh, clever people like myself clearly in the dark (laughs) then I'm not interested because I hate that kind of shit and calling people dumb is never never excuses your own behaviour I think the smartest people in the world are the people that can make things approachable and relatable to everybody yeah which his rumoured partner does is the epitome of doing 
is the epitome of, inclu- of inclusion and inclusivity. And Jack Antonoff spoke to that New Yorker article and said, essentially, in, in essence, it's a bit. He's really committed to the bit. He's a good yeah. a good guy. And I think my, my, my kind of confusion comes from the fact that I don't think he's an asshole. He's coming. He's been an yeah. asshole in this moment. I don't think he is an asshole, but I think he yeah. is sort of taking the bait or, or trying to bait people into having this almost culture war around what he represents and who he represents and and who his fan base is and creating this whole yeah. sort of confusion within that fan base of like like he's literally tearing apart the 1975 fans those who want to do good in the world and want to stand up for people he's tearing them all apart yeah. not knowing what the fuck they're supporting what they're there for it's um and it's I quite do convoluted. agree with you that what he's doing is some kind of um form of performance art in that Mm. he is trying to trigger a reaction and and cause debate but he's not in the right demographic of people to do that and i mean we saw that with kanye for a long time where people felt like what he was doing was just trying to trigger some kind of reaction from people and force people to have difficult conversations but in the end it turned out he was just an anti-Semite. Literally. <laughs> and this is, this is the other question. We're going to do this story second on the show today. And then I was like, let's do this first because I think it's probably the, the yeah. biggest conversation of the week. But are we just fueling the fire by having a conversation on a podcast between two white men about, <laughs> about this well, guy? Well, I think like, so. That's how I'm starting to feel. Yeah. Because it's just giving these comments another platform. Yep. When really we should probably just talk about the fact that Ice Spice is just like becoming the biggest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And her glow up is absolutely insane. And to be honest, her cultural relevancy right now is a lot more than his. So 100%. if she decided tomorrow that she wanted to just like do literally anything in public, she would be the, f- the story above this. Yeah. Which is, is good. I and the, the critic Shard D'Souza, who um, is probably the critic in this universe that evokes a reaction in me the most, and sometimes that is a positive yeah. reaction, sometimes that is a negative. In this instance, in his article in The Guardian, he talks at length about how we need to allow Taylor Swift some autonomy and not not look at Taylor Swift in the framework of her relationship with Maddie Healy and not look at this Taylor Swift Ice Spice collaboration in the framework of the relationship with Maddie. We need to look at it on its own. She has afforded yeah. herself enough Which I like, autonomy to, to be thought of on her own and outside of that context. And I think it's a very patriarchal thing that we continue to put like female pop stars into the, the sort of framework of their male, you know, counterparts. And yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, also, it's a long Everybody's been in a relationship where their partner feels differently about certain things and says stupid things. And like, she shouldn't be expected to just flick that switch off overnight. No. And all this open letter bullshit is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And she is not the spokesperson for him. She does not have to come out like Kim had to. And be like, I don't agree with these comments. I don't agree with these comments. They're fucking like having a few kisses here and there in New York yeah. City. Like, leave it alone. Exactly. All right. Case closed on Maddie Healy. Moving on. Done. Flop stars. It's crude, gross, and sexist, says the playlist. Grim, gross, and vulgar, says Showbiz411. Nasty, brutish, feels much longer than it is, and way, way worse than you'd have anticipated, says Rolling Stone of the Idol, which premieres this week coming. This is going to be a hot mess. Are we here for it or not? 
I mean, the ratings on the first night are going to be phenomenal, given that all this bad <laughs> press it's been generating. I'm and interested to see how bad it is. I'm more interested to know what he's done to Rolling Stone because <laughs> they are seemingly furious at him. I mean, the way that people are so offended by the show and so upset, it has to be doing something pretty full on. Mm-hmm. Which like, I'm, it- I'm here to say yeah i mean i'm not here to say but i mean i'm intrigued to say yeah obviously it's it's obviously going to evoke a reaction in people and i'm looking at just the even just the synopsis the little kind of bio of each episode that's coming out they've they've kind of released the first four um i'm hooked just from the synopsis of each episode like i'm like i'm very very into this well it's really my kind of shit but i mean not not with the um, porno- pornography and sexual assault aspect thrown in, but no. like the whole industry side of it, I'm interested by. Well, well, Douglas Greenwood from Vogue, who is a phenomenal writer um, and I think did a, a really... You're just spotlighting all the writers today, well, aren't you? You've no, but he's another one that I sometimes... in your pocket. I've muted him on Twitter because I disagree with him a lot. Um, <laughs> but he does, again, he gets me thinking and he has said it's buzzy brazen television that will do exactly what it's set out to do, get people talking. So it's all it's all going to work. Um, we did hear yeah. this morning though that there's an album coming with it, and the lead single from the yeah. weekend, Cardi and Madonna. Kind of crazy. I mean, Playboy Cardi and the weekend makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But Madonna is a bit of a curveball, and I think that maybe it makes more sense when you consider that the TV show is kind of this play on stardom and the ultimate like star of each generation, which Madonna has been several times over. Yeah. So I guess that's where it makes sense. But Madonna seems to be just on a total like relevancy reclamation right now when you can say i'm i'm jumping to the next point but when you consider that the following friday she'll be releasing a single with sam smith i mean this is just incredible so it's already been a shit show the madonna and sam smith collaboration because the whole idea was they just posted this thing that said sam and madonna sam and madonna sam and Madonna. Madonna. And then she was going to come out with Sam in Manchester at their show. And then um, Sam canned the show because they had some some vocal performance issues going on and has not returned to the stage yet. It's cancelled a bunch more shows. So it's just all come at the absolute worst time human. And I possible. believe the announcement leaked today as well because Sam <laughs> kind of raced out after it was already all over Twitter <laughs> with a bit of a snippet. <laughs> It's a mess, but I'm here for it because I feel like that's the vibe of this song. Yeah, well, (laughs) Sam's been covering Human Nature um, on their tour, um, or at least did a couple of of versions of it. This feels right. It, Sam Sam is channeling so much Madonna in the last little while and channeling all of the grit and weirdness and quirk and questionableness of yeah. Madonna's expression in the last couple of decades. Um, so this is either going to be one of the great flops of all time or a bona fide mega hit and the moment that Madonna yeah. returns to the global stage. It's going to be one of the two. There will I'm- be no in between. I think that Madonna introduced Unholy at the Grammys, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yes. Yes, she did. I remember. Some kind of show. And she made some speech about being provocative and um, she was attracted to that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. They're going for shock 
again. So it's going to be the idol followed by this. Our jaws are just going to be on the floor by the end of next Friday. Gosh, the through line is Madonna, baby. This is going to be a, a long, hot, dirty summer. I can't wait to see, just back on the idol for a second, fanging to see Troy Sivan in this. Um, I yeah. think this will be the acting role of Troy Sivan's career because I've never seen Troy do a gritty adult role before. And yeah. I think he's going to fucking dominate it. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Flop stars. Uh, finally, before we get into bop or flop, um, we have a resurgence into the charts for Taylor Swift's 2019 track Cruel Summer back in the Hot 100. Yeah, it's crazy what's going on right now because I feel like a few years ago with streaming, like it's kind of everybody was like, oh, you can make whatever you want a single, like it singles don't matter anymore. And it kind of went that way for a little bit when Beyonce was throwing out her albums without any sort of focus track, but it's gone back the other way and it's very heavily focused on singles. And I guess the fans would always kind of pick a fan favourite off the album, but it would never actually chart or do anything significant, just as for Katy Perry's roulette. <laughs> but it seems now, because of TikTok, the power is kind of being put back in the fans' hands. Yeah. Taylor Swift currently has an album to promote, Midnight's. Miley Cyrus currently has an album to promote, Endless Summer Vacation. The songs doing the best off them are songs from previous albums. <laughs> so, Cruel Summer... Back in the top 50 um, of the Billboard Hot 100, doing incredible on streaming around the top 20. Miley Cyrus' Angels Like You is also doing incredibly. Floating around the top 20 of the global Spotify charts as well. Out of control. Which is just insane given that she's currently trying to push Jaded as like the third single off Endless Summer Vacation. And Angels Like You is just putting itself in the way <laughs> that is probably incredible. going to become her next hit, which Miley might like because I have a feeling she's ready to put Endless Summer Vacation in a coffin already. <laughs> have we? Did we talk about the tour the, the tour note last week that she's not touring? No, we haven't. Let's quickly but talk she's about that. She's just not doing it. She's like, I don't want to go on a bus. I don't want to sleep in a bus. I'm just not, not doing it. It doesn't make me happy. And like, it's amazing that she feels that way now, given that she did quite an extensive festival run prior to Endless Summer Vacation and seemed mm. to be like regaining adoration because of that. Because I feel like Miley's thing has always been that she's such an incredible live performer. So to go cold on that is perhaps why the Endless Summer Vacation era feels kind of flat. I do feel like doing the festival circuit versus doing your own headline show and carting all that shit around and it being your kind of responsibility mm. are two very different things, though. I think the the thing that people like about doing the festival circuit is it's not your show. So if something goes wrong, it's not all on you. It's not a it's big not dramatic you. incident. If you get sick, you're only one of many of the day. Um and, you know, you can kind of just go in and leave again and, like, you don't have to worry about yeah. all, the, all the drama of it. So, I understand the appeal of the festival circuit. But, yeah, I, I like, as much as I really want to see Miley, and in particular in Australia, we haven't seen her in a long time, um, I would, yeah, I, I, all power to her. I get it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure last time Miley was here, what well, was meant to be here, was when she was announced for the Kiss FM Australia, the Sydney Kiss FM um, they did some sort of concert and the, the, the lineup was as follows Miley Cyrus, Red Foo, Cody Simpson. That's it. That was the lineup. And <laughs> it, it was, didn't go ahead. Did not go ahead. It was subsequently cancelled. Yeah. Flop. 
stars. Uh, all right, let's jump into bop or flop and start with the lead single from the Barbie soundtrack from Barbie herself, well, one of the Barbies, um, Dua Lipa, and Dance the Night. It's kind of painfully fine. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting Dua to go back in this disco sound, but I understand it. I think this will be kind of the final nail in the coffin of the future nostalgia era and then there will be something really fresh and new to kick off this new album and the more i've thought about this song because it's it's really fine like it really is fine Mm. um i feel like they kind of turned in a little bit of a like dud not a dud but they turned in something that wasn't super interesting because they don't want to overshadow the next era like we've seen what happened with the weekend and blinding lights and dawn fm that came after they want to make sure that the charts are completely clear of dua lipa for this first single off the next album yeah i think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head it could be that or a case of buying a bit of time before they put the next one out because Dua's been very busy. Yeah. She's done obviously done this movie. Um, she's got the collection with Donatello Versace that everyone's been wearing. Um, yeah. And, you know, doing all the promotion that comes with that. So she's obviously in that kind of phase of major pop stardom where you kind of have a break from the music for a little moment. But obviously the mu- we, we know that the music's ready to go. Um, this might be a case yeah. of just having, you know, satiating the music appetite for just a little moment, a little bit of buzz for the movie. And then we get towards the end of the year to get some new music from her. So, yeah, yeah I, feel I was expecting summertime to be mm. um, the album launch, but it's not looking like that's going to happen. No. Although the exciting news is that Danielle Hall produced some of the music for the Versace show, which is pretty good confirmation that he's got a whole like a handle on the sound of the next Dua Lipa album, <sighs> which I think is great. I think he's the the guy to to do something really wild with her. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've got nothing more to say about the track. It's absolutely fine. You know, it just feels like they had it laying around <laughs> from the future nostalgia <laughs> sessions and just went, no, nah, that'll work. Yeah, have that one. <laughs> um, let's do the Ice Spice remix of Karma by Taylor Swift for a bop or flop because obviously we already liked the, we already quite like the track. <laughs> Karma is my bestie. Karma takes all my friends to the summit. It was destined to be good. It was destined to be funny and... A little cute little moment, right? I I feel completely different. Do you? No. I think that Taylor Swift just never gets a remix right. I think that she also rarely gets a feature right. I just think that she's such a singular artist with such a strong identity that anybody who appears on one of her songs gets swallowed. And like... Ice Spice doing this song doesn't really make any sense. Like, Ice Spice is not the right artist to jump on a song like this. She's not ripe enough to be on a pop track of this magnitude. Mm. And I worry that this song, if anything, is going to just be overexposure for her. And it feels like they've cleared the path for her to sit in the song for no real good reason. Like, Karma was probably my favourite off Midnight's, and this makes me sour on it. Really? So, yeah. I don't feel... Nah, I don't feel as strongly. Love to both of them. I just feel like it's completely unnecessary to make this happen. I agree with you. I I actually agree with you on that. I think you can think think that the track's, like, nice without thinking that 
you know, it needed to happen. It definitely didn't. It definitely yeah. didn't need to happen. The track without her on it had already, you know, I know radio is not everything, but it had, it had already hit radio in Australia um, and yeah. was doing quite well and, and starting to really climb. Um, for me, I, I disagree with you on that she she doesn't get a remix right because I think Bad Blood with Kendrick, it, although it feels a bit juxtaposed, I think it works. No, see, so that's the other one that I think is. I disagree. Just, no. Terrible. No. It adds it, Taylor it kind Swift of, never needs a rapper around her. Never. It doesn't need to be a need thing. Apart from future on Endgame. No, see I disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Endgame hell. is her only hip hop song that works. No! Bullshit. Uh, it's blood. just like, why do this? If you're going to do it, like, why not put, like, Billie Eilish or someone on it instead that would actually make some sense? I do get you. Like, there's, it's not like with Snow on the Beach where she's like, oh, like, Lana would actually benefit the, the sound and aesthetic of this song. There was no room where they were like, you know what karma is missing? Ice Spice. <laughs> like... <laughs> They saw yeah. the Ice Spice stocks were up and they were like, this is a way to push this to make it a single. Which doesn't feel very Taylor Swift, does it? That doesn't feel like a very no, Taylor Swift doesn't. approach. Um, it feels like a Taylor Swift of old approach. Mm, yeah. I agree that it didn't need to happen, but I don't agree that it's bad. I, I like it. I like it. I just, I think the, the song has a calmness to it that suits Ice Spice quite well. And... I was going to say one more thing that was going to be a zinger and I can't remember it. Um, so don't worry about it. It's been, been zinged anyway. Um, <laughs> but like, think about remixes, like think about her jumping on Boys A Liar, which just made total yeah. sense. Like that song was made for her and she completely owned it and it made her a superstar. Mm. Getting Nikki on Princess Diana made total sense and it, and it got her to a certain point. This feels more beneficial for Taylor than it does for Ice Spice. And I feel like she's just like a cog in the machine kind of thing. And I just hope that she doesn't like peak too early because this is the exact mm. moment that people are going to start hating Ice Spice. Yeah. Overexposure is a big concern. Um, and I agree with you that this doesn't feel like the natural path for her to have taken. But potentially we're thinking about this into traditional context. Potentially we're thinking about this, you know, from, from what we know. And maybe the whole idea of this is to break the mould of how quickly that ascension should happen and the sort of rite of passage towards yeah. being on a mainstream pop song. You know, maybe we're talking about, you know, a new modern idea of that. Um, I don't know. Or maybe, yeah. it's, or maybe it's just a, a mistake. One of the two. <laughs> Time will tell. I just think hype fizzles. Like, it's hard to know how to play it. And I guess with Cardi... Like, it was played kind of well. Like, her ascent was really, really sharp. Mm, but, 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 like, when she jumped on Maroon... Like, when she jumped on Girls Like You by Maroon 5, that, at the time, felt very hot rapper, white man pop band that has some yeah. currency. Bang, do it. That felt sudden as well. But that track works. has stuck around. Yeah. Time will tell. Time right. will tell. I don't, disagree, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I don't disagree with you on that. It's a bop from me, but it's only a bop. Like, it's mainly a bop because Karma was already um, a god. And karma is karma a bomb. Is. I will and agree. It, and as I've always said, karma is a cat purring in my lap because it loves me. I've always said. <laughs> um, moving on, Tuvalu has dropped this brand new track just uh, like yesterday called. Was it just yesterday? It's like it's like uh, today. I think. Right? Yeah, uh, it's called today. I like you. I like you. 
And I went into it going, oh, this will be, you know, another gritty Tovlo song. And then it goes into fucking mayhem. Club banger territory. Oh, my God. Exactly where I want to hear her. I'm here for, like, this return of EDM slash, like, 90s dance sounds in a more, like, nuanced way. Like, this is an EDM banger, but not in the way that it kind of, like, shreds your speakers like a David Guetta song does or, like, I'm Good does. Like, it's got a little bit more texture to it and a little bit more colour to it, and I love that. And, obviously, Tuve just kills the, like melody as always and like the pre-chorus is incredible so here for it i think it's a bop yeah that arpeggiated synth that kind of like builds up into the beat into the drop like that is just it's so i love a synth like that that sparkling kind of sound um so good it's definitely i i think about it in the context of miracle by calvin harris i think we now have a context for a song like this and i was completely wrong about miracle I had that completely wrong and I will own that. I didn't think it was very good when I first heard it. It's a fucking belter now and it's an absolute stayer. And I think it is single-handedly responsible for bringing like a 140 BPM trance record back into the charts and Tove's just It would definitely be the the firing gun on that. Yeah. Like in years to come, we'll come back and look Mm -hmm. at that song as starting it for better or for worse. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, And this just follows suit, but a little bit more kind of happy hardcore, a little bit more that old PC music situation. Um, I just think it's so magically done. I had a look at the producer. I was expecting like a Danielle Hall or someone. It's a guy called Tim from The House. Um, whose yeah. real, real name is Tim Nelson. And that made me think, is it Tim Nelson from Cub Sport? That idea, I went down the exact same rabbit hole. Because Tim has been doing, like, like because Cub Sport have been doing that kind of like dancey sound. I was like, are you fucking yeah. serious? And then I realized it's just a, just yeah. a not just, no, but not. no, Swedish guy. Just, a um, just, just one of the great Swedes. But that's a great fucking tune. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm DJing tonight. I'm going to play that. I think it'll be fun. Um, Greta Ray, one of Australia's great pop hopes, has a song called Heartbreak Baby that's out from a brand new album that's coming. I am a heartbreak baby. And a tour titled The Big Pop Show, which I think is one of the great tour names of the year. <laughs> Um, what do you think? So funny that you can get away with doing something like that now. Like, this is somebody <laughs> who's won, like, a Triple J competition, is a Triple J darling. Yep. To call something the big pop show years ago would have been just career suicide. <laughs> but um, Greta, I feel like, has been kind of responsible for changing the conversation around pop music in Australia and, like, is a formidable artist and just keeps growing into herself. Mm. Um, and I think her embracing this pop star persona has helped bring out some of the confidence within her work. And Heartbreak Baby feels like the, like, kind of the peak of that, the, the payoff for following that path. Absolutely. There was a track on the last album called Love Me Right, which was probably mm. one of the best pop songs of last year. Love me like standalone on that album that was that pop there was a few songs like bigger than me that were quite poppy but that was a real like oh shit we've got a main pop girl here proper cory in the in the beautiful video for it as well this is following on that track again um 
you know, I, I really think this might be the album that does something quite special. She is a very smart, she's a very sophisticated, knows exactly what she's trying to do, um, very hard on sleeve, and she's quite global as well. Her and Maisie Peters have kind of been coming up together. Maisie helped out on a little bit of Greta's album. Greta helped out on a little bit of Maisie's album. They're kind of in the same space in their respective countries at the moment, but also kind of growing yeah. up with that global kind of feel. Um, so I'm very, very excited to see what comes from Greta and I think this is a really, really cool song and she's an artist that I think the whole world's got to be looking out for. Special one. Yeah, 100% um, good stuff. Bop. Great. Bop. Need a name, bro, who we had an argument last time Need about this. Need a name, bro. They're not going to get a new name. They're not going to get a new name. That's their name They're for life They're not now. going to. I'm, I'm starting to, to live with that. There's not a lot left to say. But <laughs> I love these three. Love mm. them. Like, this song's such a short, sharp pop song, and I've just been, like, hitting repeat on it. Just everything about it is so tight, their chemistry, their vocals, and what I'm loving about these girl groups coming through right now. Like, there was a time when these record labels were putting together girl groups based on, like, what they look like and kind of what products they could sell in a way and none of them worked. And the one that did work was Little Mix because they had a focus on friendship chemistry and vocals and it seems to be with these new girl groups flow need a name bro that it is about that again like it's about how good the vocal chops are and how good the harmonies are and this just nails it yeah it's back to genuinely good songs by genuinely good artists that have got charisma like it's it's really i was having this conversation with someone last night we've just got to with all the tiktok like, I sound like an old man yells at cloud at the moment, but with all this like conversation around how the industry operates and stuff, <laughs> if you just make fucking good songs and you're good people and you're talented and you have charisma and you're honest and authentic, there's not much yeah. that can go wrong. It can't go wrong. I you had might all be- of that. I was just missing talent. <laughs> 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 Any musical bone in your body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is a, a great tune. I think I, I, I like how kind of restrained it is, but it, it really kind of goes um, at the same time. And I keep coming back to yeah. it. And yeah, it's it's definitely going to be on a, on, a re- on repeat for me. So it's a bop. Uh, Dominic Fike has another track out called Ant Pile. The last track we disagreed on, uh, Dancing in the Courtroom or whatever it was called. Um, I quite liked yeah. it. I saw Have where it was going. Have you gone back and listened to it since? Yeah, and I still like it. I listened to it because it's, it's, ca- it's packeted with, it's packeted with, with Ampile. I can't remember the chorus. Uh, I listened to it this morning because I listened to Ampile and then it played straight after it and I was making coffee and I didn't have time to change the song to listen to the next track in the pop-in and do my cram research. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on Ampile? <laughs> <laughs> this is where I wanted him to be. I I like yeah. I really like this one. It's like way more interesting. It's giving something different in the verses. Like it's it's surprising. It takes detours. It just gives a lot more. Uh, so I'm here for it. I'm I'm reinvested. I'm glad you're on the train. And I I think this is where I could kind of picture it going from the last track. I like how yeah. it's almost like oh a, you could I could see yeah I could see the world he was sort of stepping into this kind Bloody of like. Hell restrained alt guitar kind of world. It's giving Weedus a little bit, but like not in a corny way. It's giving like a really genuine Weedus, if that makes sense. Um. <laughs> Your review of this right now would make me absolutely not listen. <laughs> not for a second. It's the first thing I thought of. I was like, this is restrained so Restrained alt rock that sounds like Weedus. <laughs> it's a good it fucking kill song. Kill me. 
Um, I, I think the storytelling's really good in it, and I really want to see it live. I feel like it'd be really fun to see live this track as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Feels like I it'd be very moshy, that. like a respectful mosh. Um, so it's a bop from us. Final track of the week is One Republic's Runaway. Run away, right now, let's just run away. All that talk is killing me. Or should I say, Daft Punk's Doing It Right featuring Panda Bear because it's the exact same chord progression. Doing it right, everybody will be dancing and we're feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and we're feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing tonight. There's another song that it's out. Can I just listen to it quickly? Because there's a song that comes to mind. Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars. Yeah, the drums, like, it's just a complete ripple. How does that happen? Like, Ryan Ted is one of the most talented songwriters in the game, has written absolute giant pop songs. And yet, One Republic, it feels like it's not him. <laughs> it feels, it's almost like after the Ed Sheeran and Marvin Gaye dispute, it's almost like the big pop writers in the world are trying to take the piss and be like, we're just going to copy songs now to show you yeah. that there's only so many chords in the world because this is just yeah. so blatantly the same as something you've heard before but on with it, taking out that context um it's one of it's another one republic song that i and i do That's this with true. a lot of their tracks listen to <laughs> shut up <laughs> you listen to and go oh whatever whatever and then i know in 3 or 4 weeks that i'll know every word to it and i'll be whistling along to it this has happened with i ain't worried it's going to happen again, I can oh, tell. I just can't can't stand it. Hate it, I ain't worried. Hate it. Makes my skin, like, physically crawl. Um, and I have a feeling this song will do the same. <laughs> I think we Not to mention the horrendous artwork. Oh, it's, a, it's awful. <laughs> I thought it was a Galantis track. L- literally. It looks like literally. Galantis. So it's bad. But when f- I look at all their artworks, they're absolutely... They're all horrible. It's Photoshop generative AI. Is what it looks if like. Ryan Tedder wasn't such an amazing songwriter, I'd be putting One Republic in the Maroon 5 bin. It's tough, isn't it? I don't know. Dribble. Dribble. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> on that note, I've just um, looked at my DJ. I've just opened the DJ thing to get my set ready for tonight. And in the like preview yeah. of like what I, was mi- what I was mixing before the last DJ gig I did on the weekend, which was to seven people, I've somehow tried to mix the Padum Padum instrumental into the Gorilla's yeah. New Gold um, a cappella. <laughs> so. <laughs> And how did that go for you? Fucking terrible. <laughs> Just like the gig. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are on hiatus until mid-June um, for the actual show, but the pop is going to be here every week. If you can follow us at Flopstars Podcast on Instagram, we'll post some clips and stuff as well. Um, maybe a time to- have to drop in and say hi. Yeah. And if you only We're found workaholics. This- Absolute oh, workaholics. Oh, no. It's ridiculous. Can't have a break. Um, we're the of, of bloody of podcasting. I'll bleep that name out. Um, I... <laughs> Podcasting exists. <laughs> no, that's true. Didn't think about that. Top five, top five podcasts. Actually. I forgot about that. If you've only found us like this season, you should go back. There are seven seasons of this stupid show. You should go back and find yeah. like episodes that you like and do some back catalog digging if you got some time. You want? Yeah, you care. should. Or you can just you know, go, go and watch The Idol instead. Yeah. All right. Have a lovely week, friends. <laughs> Talk soon. <laughs> Bye. 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 Stars.